0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
1: From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy, where the doctor is always in. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for joining us on this beautiful morning as we talk about the health health issues that affect you most. That's right. This is the program that you can call in with any kind of health care question about yourself or your loved one. You can reach us this morning live, and we'll try to tackle those questions for you. You can reach us by calling one mpb ring That's one 877 Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy from MPB Think Radio.
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can email the show, Remedy, at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio.
1: Good morning and welcome to Southern Remedy on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Happy to be with you this morning to answer your calls about anything that is on your mind about the health care of yourself, or maybe it's somebody in your family or maybe even a friend that you know about. Uh, It could be a new medication that you've been prescribed. Maybe you just didn't quite understand how to take it or what it's for. Maybe it's a new diagnosis that you've been given, you want some more information about that, or perhaps you don't have a diagnosis yet and you're trying to figure out what to do next. We can help answer all those healthcare questions about yourself, no matter what your age might be. You can reach us this morning by calling 1-877 MPB ring. That's one 877 Or you can always send us an email. I know everybody's not always able to call in and maybe they're a little bit hesitant to do that. We do answer those emails. Uh, occasionally we'll answer them on the air too, if they're really good ones. So send one in to us. You can reach us uh, uh, by email by sending those to remedy at mpbonline.org. All right, well, it is a great morning. Man, walking in, just the sunshine out there and the breeze blowing. It feels almost like spring did. I mean, it was really just amazing, just uh, the weather right now. Had a meeting last week in Chicago, and I hope you tuned in, though. We try to keep the programming up with uh, some uh, emails and other other questions that, uh, that might be of interest to you uh, when we can't be here live, uh, but had a great, uh, great uh, meeting there at the American Medical Association and some good stuff going on by that group and uh, currently funding a lot of projects all over the nation. And uh, fortunately, we're going to be one of those sites at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. So I had to, had to be there for that meeting, but glad to be back in Mississippi and enjoying all of this weather. All right, we're going to go to our first caller now, Jim from Biloxi. Good morning, Jim. Thanks for calling.
2: Good morning. Uh, Look, I just wanted to say I had a a transplant, August 23rd, a liver transplant up uh, in your fine hospital and uh, connected with the transplant team up there. And I just wanted to talk you all up, man. It's an amazing place. I've had amazing care.
1: Oh thank you jim yeah we we do i I will brag with you on our transplant team and uh they've got a and team is the is the operative word there. no pun intended on operative, but uh, you really have Hello. to have uh surgeons and non-surgeons uh, that go into that and follow you up beforehand to make sure everything's just right. Uh, that the surgery goes uh, uh, correctly, that everything has to, you know, people don't understand it just because you have a surgery that you do over and over again, everybody's a little bit different in their anatomy and how everything's put together. So, exactly. um, and then certainly the follow up uh, is important too. So uh, the team approach is one that you really have to have to do. I know the, a lot of those people on the team, Jim, and uh, man, they are passionate about what they do. They love helping patients.
2: I think I'm going to be married to some of them for the rest of my life. Work, uh, <laughs> that's a, how that works, in yeah. some way, You know, so yeah, yeah, cool, so awesome. yeah, excellent.
1: Well, thanks for those accolades, Jim, and uh, good luck to you. All right, thank you. All right, yeah, that's one of the biggest examples we have these days about um, about team based care, and more and more we're, and it just makes sense if you think about it. If you approach, you know, everybody wants their their one physician, and um, and that you should have your own. You know, person, your healthcare provider that is seeing you on a routine basis and uh, and knows you. That's important, but they can't always be there. You know, if they're on call, other people are on call for them from time to time, or maybe they're out of town uh, for something. So, what happens then? What's the backup system there? And then, depending on what kind of diagnoses you have, a lot of times uh, you'll need other people to come into play, and it's not just other physicians too. We certainly have. Uh, ancillary health uh, personnel, doctors, uh, um, um, I started to say lawyers, but they usually they're, they're not involved, but nursing, uh, physical therapy, occupational therapy, respiratory therapist, uh, there's just all, uh, social workers and case managers. There's all kinds of people on a on a healthcare team that really help you do your best. So that's important to look for. There may be a question that you Ask your physician, particularly if you have a chronic disease uh, that's going to require a lot of uh, a lot of um, um, visits or a lot of hospitalizations. Hey, who's going to be on my team? Who's the team that's involved here? And they, if they have a good team, they're going to really uh, be excited about telling you that. All right, we're going to go to Edwin, who is in Bay St. Louis. Good morning, Edmund. Edwin. Edwin, hey, sorry. Good morning. Good morning.
3: That's okay. Good morning. Um, I have a question about arthritis. Sure. Sometime um, beginning of January, it was weird. I was walking my dog, and all of a sudden my knee started hurting, getting stiff. And the following day, I woke up in the morning time, and I couldn't put any weight on that left leg. My knee was swollen, so I, I got myself to an urgent care to get an X-ray and gave me um, some steroid pills and referred me to orthopedics. So I went to an orthopedic um Clinic in the um, deluxe, and a nurse practitioner did another X ray and said that I had arthritis. Mm-hmm. And um, so, first of all, um, isn't that kind of bizarre? You kind of like one day it kind of happens, and the next day it kind of it, um, goes to the extreme with arthritis.
1: Yeah, usually it sneaks up on you a little bit slower than that. If it's now, I guess I should back up and and well, let me ask a couple of questions first, Edwin. So, how old are you? 61. 61. Okay, so that's that's typically about the age if you're going to have arthritis, you'd start to see some of the uh, symptoms of it, which is usually pain, limited limitations of motion due to pain is something else too, stiffness in joints. Usually in your 50s or 60s, um, there are two types of arthritis. I think based on your age and the in what you just told me, if you have that in that knee. Uh, it's probably osteoarthritis. That's sort of the wear and tear arthritis that just about everybody has. At least if you look for it by x-ray, you may not have the same extent of pain with it. Uh, But in joints that you use a lot, like the knees, over time you wear down that cartilage layer that helps to protect the bone and you get some erosions of the bone in severe cases. You can also have some overgrowth of the bone. A lot of times people will call those bone spurs. Um, mm-hmm. but it is common as you get older. It's it's uh, not as common that people say, hey, I just woke up one day, I was doing this, and then I had it. Unless you've had an injury to that knee while you were walking. I didn't really hear that.
3: I didn't have an injury to the knee while I was walking. Yeah. Now, I remember like some years ago, I don't know, maybe when I was a teenager, I can't remember what knee it was because I'm 61 now, but I know one of my knees, I had like a torn ligament um when i was much younger and i don't know if it's the same me or not i can't remember but yeah, the thing was so bizarre so i was really concerned and i tried to um i made a follow-up with the um the doctor um, not the nurse practitioner but when i went back to the um, follow apartment to see the doctor he wasn't there so um then um the nurse practitioner was saying well we can try giving you something uh, i don't know what it was like Hydra Onic acid because he gave right. me a cortisone shot before, right? But the cortisone shot only worked for a few days, and I've been taking um, naproxen on, on a daily basis. And um, I tell you, sometimes the pain in my knee is really excruciating. Sometimes it's like I'm, at nighttime I'm kind of sleep. And um, is there anything that um, that you recommend besides um, cortisone?
1: Yeah, and you can only take a, 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 a you can't just get that all the time. You're right. It, it it's an anti-inflammatory that cuts down the inflammation, but it has other systemic side effects too long term. Same thing with uh with this uh naproxen or ibuprofen. A lot of people have problems with taking that. They can interfere with your blood pressure, it can uh sometimes it can uh if you know, in certain people it can irritate their stomach lining. Um, I, there are other medications now. You mentioned high, high alluronic acid, so there are some things that they can inject into the knee uh, synovium. Uh, that's that knee, that the the fluid that sort of bathes the knee, and it helps a lot of times. There's some other substances that orthopedic surgeons can do in their clinic in uh, an outpatient basis where they just do that. And a lot, of the, a lot of times that can save you from getting the steroids and it can uh, decrease a lot of the symptoms of pain that you're having. And when it's a little bit, you know, I, I can understand when you're asleep moving around and it hurts, although usually just run-of-the-mill osteoarthritis, if you rest it, it actually gets a little bit better. And then as the day goes on, it sort of you know, sort of increases in severity. You may want to get a second opinion on that and have them, you know, take a look at it. Particularly if they, most of the time, I'm I'm assuming they did a comparison X-ray of the other knee.
3: No, they didn't do that.
1: Okay, that's, that's Sometimes they'll do that to sort of see if it matches up because it would be un, it would be uncommon with the exception, like you said. I mean, if you did have a ligamentous injury, like if you had a Uh, An ACL tear or um, a ligament tear in that knee earlier in life, it can set you up just because it misaligns things just a little bit, and then if you're on it for decades after that, you can have. That's one of the risk factors for uh, for arthritis later on. Um, but, but I'd stick with them, uh, about that just to see if you can try some of those other things that they mentioned. And there are some other medications that you can take that don't have as many side effects, uh, like oral medications for, for chronic pain and arthritis. Um, but, um, yeah, you may want to just sort of stick with them just to see. And then physical therapy can help too. A lot of people will say, well, why would I want to go to a physical therapist? They're just going to make me do more and it's going to hurt more. Well in in most people the way the knee joint works is if you get a good physical therapist who knows what they're doing uh which they do and um they um you know for knee pain what they're going to do is strengthen up the muscles around the joint to take some of the pressure off of it so those those muscles particularly your quadriceps and your hamstring muscles they help to stabilize the knee joint so that it's in a proper alignment and and when you walk or bear weight they can help take a lot of that pressure off the joint itself so usually in in a case like this they'll pretty quickly try to get you into physical therapy for about six to eight weeks and a lot of times that solves the problem in and of itself and you can you know cut back on the other things but I'd stick with him about that, Edwin. It, it wouldn't be uncommon, though, particularly if you had a, a previous injury, to have something that happened to the knee that the, the pain uh, resulted like that.
3: Okay, I'll, I'll look into my uh, insurance plan and see. Um, I don't want to go back to the original doctor because I thought it was kind of rude that um made his apartment and he didn't show up and that the commissioner was dead in his place, which is okay, but I guess I wanted to have like a second opinion. Right sure. I thought it was kind of weird. I mean, I wake up one day and I had this problem, and I'm going to putting no weight on it, which is so weird.
1: Yeah, I agree uh, with you, like, When I, I think maybe you need a second opinion.
3: Yeah. I appreciate your time. Oh, sure. I, I like what to your show.
1: Oh, thank you, and thank you for calling. All right, the number to call this morning, if you want to call in about any kind of thing that's uh, that's ailing you, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, a couple of things about this week, which is Men's Health Week, uh, problems that are uh, that affect men, but also a lot of time for your call. So call us during the break.
0: an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org.
1: Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning. You can reach us by calling one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Just a uh, word. Uh, we were talking in the break about uh, just the legacy of transplantation uh, that University of Mississippi Medical Center has. A lot of people don't know Dr. James Hardy, way back in 1963, led a team uh, to transplant uh, the uh, a lung from one individual from another. And then the next year transplanted a chimpanzee heart into a uh, human, sort of led the way in Mississippi for a lot of research to be done. Some, you know, both of those operations, not necessarily a chimpanzee heart, but heart transplant and lung transplant were sort of the mainstays of transplantation around the world. Uh, and all of that um, started really in Mississippi with Dr. Hardy's leadership and thoughtfulness about that. And uh, so we've got a long legacy in Mississippi of having some uh, some good things in transplantation. All right, we're going to go to Sam in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Sam. Uh,
2: good morning, uh, Doc. Uh, um, I want to ask you a question about, you know, like I have uh, a liver cancer uh-huh. and uh, uh, my stomach stays uh, upset all the time, you know, and I Used to be a very energetic person, and people would tell you uh, I'm from Brookhaven uh, that I uh, they would see me walking across town and everything stuff like that. You know, I did a lot of walking, and uh, uh you know, I like doing sunshine and stuff. But I ain't got laziness and stuff, you know, because of my stomach. and uh, I done tried some of everything, and uh, you know, I've been taking smoothies. You know, this is uh, my fourth year with the cancer and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. I'm stage four, but uh, uh. I, I can't get out and get around like I want to because of my stomach be hurting all the time. And then if I take some meds, uh, pain meds, of, uh, uh, it might help a little bit, but then it had be itching. You yep. know? So uh, I just want to know, uh, you know, you know what I mean? I didn't try ginger and you know, all kind of stuff, you know. But if it wasn't for those smoothies, I probably wouldn't be here today. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a difficult thing to deal with, Sam, and uh particularly for liver, uh, you know, malignancies in the liver. Your liver does a lot of things. It, you just take it for granted. It just does its thing that it's supposed to do. So it, you know, sort of helps with the metabolism of foods and substances in the body. It processes those. And um if you're if you have a malignancy, if you have cancer in your liver, it can uh sort of damage it to the point where it's not doing that. And then cancer in general, no matter what the cancer, can make you have those same symptoms of just feeling tired all the time uh, and sort of sapping your energy, even if you're getting, you know, everybody thinks about, you know, if you've if you've got chemotherapy going on, then you certainly would feel that way. Well, even if you're not, just having cancer in and of itself can make you have decreased energy. Now, for the stomach um, complaints that you've been having, Uh, That's a tricky one. I don't know exactly to the extent. Maybe you said stage four there, uh, which usually means that the cancer spread other places. Um, And I'm not sure if if, uh, you have uh, a piece of cancer that's on the stomach itself that's causing the pain. The abdominal cavity is sort of hooked up as far as pain receptors where one organ can be affected and you might feel it in another place. So that could be an issue, too or if you've had previous surgeries that are related to the cancer that might you know come into play but you mentioned smoothies a lot of people do um, you know different consistencies and different combinations of things you can control food a little bit better and what you're getting uh... doing that in consultation with a nutritionist might help too because they can sort of prescribe the exact things that you need just for good uh, nutrition and they can maybe um, uh... lessen the symptoms uh, pain medication, as you mentioned, biggest side effect people have with that is, you know, they get tired, they can have some itching with it too, particularly with, with some of the, uh, narcotics. Um, there are some other medications out there that sometimes can help out things like Lyrica and Neurontin are two, uh, um, um, long chronic pain medications that you can take that might help. And then there's some, also some things like Cymbalta. I, you know, I'll say though, Sam, you, you sort of have to to f- f- strike ahead with a, your own plan about this and try to figure out what's worked. Sounds like you've already figured that out with the smoothies. Um, and then the other thing to do is to, you know, go to a pain specialist. I don't know if you've seen anybody in a pain clinic, uh, but they have some special expertise that not only with medications but also some things that they might can do that could decrease your pain. All right, Sam. I think we've. Yeah. Did. Have you seen a pain specialist, Sam? Uh,
2: yeah. Okay, and, and uh, uh, I went to another one. I left the VA. And went to another pain specialist, and, and uh, he had me to get some stuff called a capsule called NAC. Are you familiar with NAC? You know, it's supposed to help. You know. Uh, clear some of those toxins from your lungs and liver. You know, uh, I'm, I'm really based on, uh, on, on taking care of myself. You know, I used to work as a med tech and everything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, so I watch my lab work and everything, you know, but uh, I don't know none, nothing about this NAC.
1: Yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Um, and in particular, you know, if it's like clearing out substances that might be, you know, poisons or things like that, that's probably not going to solve your problems with your stomach. Um, so I, I'd be a little leery of that. And uh, is the pain clinic, does that have pain specialists that are there? They're physicians that have been trained in pain? Uh,
2: yes, a yeah. doctor has been trained in pain.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar with NAC. It may be something that's particularly, you know, been looked at, but I'm just not I'm not familiar with that individual one. But you, if you're seeing somebody at a pain clinic, they're going to help you.
2: Anyway, thanks a lot. In uh hey, you doing an excellent job and uh uh, uh uh I like your attitude toward medicine in in and, and, and people uh then the previous doctor. I'm just
1: being up about it. <laughs> we won't tell Dr. DeShazo, Sam. <laughs> but thank you, Sam. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you, you you take care. All right, the number to call if you have a question or a comment uh today on our show, any kind of problem, you can call us at one eight seven seven MPB ring, that's one eight seven seven we are going to go to Joe in Brookhaven. Good morning, Joe. Hello. Thanks for calling, Joe. You're on okay, the air.
4: thanks for accepting my call. His name Joe. But I got a problem with um, prostate. And my biggest problem is I went to a doctor a year ago, and he said that I had a normal, my prostate was normal size, but I still have problems urinating at times. Uh-huh. Some good days, some bad days. My worst time is when I wake up in the morning.
1: So is it difficulty with uh, with urinating? Is that the biggest thing on starting the urine yeah. stream?
4: Yeah. yeah, in the morning. And then as the day go on and I stir around, it gets better.
1: Had they done any what they call urodynamic studies on you? Or have they just been doing like the physical exam where they do just the physical?
4: physical. Yeah, they uh, did one with the, the years ago. They did the little scope and ran and checked my bladder. Uh-huh. But they didn't. I don't think they did what you what you call a urodynamic. Th-
1: I mean, yeah, that's no. it, and it tests like how much fluid. And they can also do some with an ultrasound now too. Yeah, where, well,
4: he did an ultrasound, and that's when he found out that. It that, definitely that told me that it was a normal sized prostate. Okay. One while it was pretty much enlarged.
1: Yeah. So you can still, you know, even with a normal sized prostate, you can have what's called a bladder outlet obstruction that can lead to symptoms like that. So I, I would go back to them or uh, a second opinion about, you know, hey, I still feel like I'm retaining a lot of urine. What happens is your bladder fills up at night. It should, you know, totally empty by the morning um, and when you you, you urinate. And if it doesn't, you know, you can have those those, if there's a problem with the flow out of it. I mean, this is a a pipes problem, right? Mm -hmm. So um, if your bladder's not doing that, then you might have an obstruction that's downstream from the bladder or the bladder itself may have some problems. Like maybe it's not uh, maybe it's not functioning correctly. Are you having any pain when you urinate?
4: Sometimes, like like sometimes I don't wake up all night then sometimes i might wake up two or three times a night
1: yeah with just having to urinate yeah yeah there i you know i would are you on any kind of medications like uh, a Yeah, i'm on
4: medication i'm on um the, the flowmax,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and those are some of the first line things that you can do. But if you're still having problems, you may want to, you know, go to somebody else yeah. just to see. And, and then some, if
4: I get off of the Max a couple of days, I, I really, you know, have a problem. So evidently, it's, you know, it probably is the prostate.
1: I, I would bet the prostate, even if it's not big. I think it's constricting on the urethra, uh, the yeah. urethra Could you that goes
4: inside the prostate, be expanding, yeah.
1: Yeah, it can. I mean, usually you'll see the whole thing get big, but if it's pressing on that, I mean, the, the, you urinate through the middle of it, so it sort of wraps around the urethra. So that's if the problem's there, that may be it. Um, but Joe, you know, I, I would, I would go see, you know, maybe get a second opinion on that.
4: Well, I'm, I mean, I'm gonna go to the. I never did tell this doctor, doctor that I go to that this was happening.
1: Oh, you need to so tell I'm gonna, him. I'm, yeah, I'm tell gonna him tell because him,
4: I'm going to see him next Wednesday, and I'm going to tell him. He, he, I mean, I never thought about this until I wondered, well, maybe the tissue on the inside of the prostate could be expanded.
1: Yeah, that's a possibility. So you, you need to, yeah, he's going to be interested so he to hear those things. The and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, okay, thanks. All right. Thank you for calling. Uh, common symptoms as men get older. In fact, being National uh, Men's Health Week, um, that's one of the things that uh, you know affect men as they get older. Normally, the prostate gets bigger in time. Of course, prostate cancer is the thing that everybody worries about. So, if there's a an acute change in it over the the span of a few days to weeks, and you might uh, you might uh, be concerned about that and go see your your doctor and they may want to do some further testing or uh, send you to a urologist we're going to take a short break when we come back plenty of uh, time for your calls and we're going to start those off with brett who's been patiently waiting here this morning the number to call if you have a question is one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464
0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. This is Southern Remedy with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one mpb ring That's one 672 7464 or you can email the show, remedy at mpbonline.org.
1: Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning. This beautiful day, and sort of stuck inside right now. But I'm talking to you out there. Maybe you're on the road. Maybe you got a question that you have been waiting to. Call about. Now is the time to call in. You can reach us this morning by calling 1 MPB ring. That's 1 672 7464. Or you can always send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Previous caller was asking about a medication uh, that uh, was used to uh, treat uh, his uh, symptoms and condition of uh, liver cancer. Uh, stage 4 liver cancer, and uh, he said NAC. I should have picked up on this, but our team here, we talked about teams earlier, uh, sort of researched that. So that's N-acetylcysteine. So N-acetylcysteine is a old common uh, medication, most commonly given with Tylenol overdoses to help protect the liver from some of the damage that Tylenol can do in an overdose situation. Um, so it also has been used at times to treat uh, treat the liver, sort of detoxify different things, particularly one um, enzymatic system in the liver. Uh, Pain-wise, doesn't do a whole lot, but that's, that's probably why it was being used, it was because of that. All right, let's go to Brett, who's been patiently waiting. Good morning, Brett.
5: Uh, good morning. Uh, hi, doctor. Um, my brother recently passed away, and uh, he, the, the, uh, I was told it was from something called, uh, it starts with an A. It's about five letters long, and I can't remember exact name, but it's the rupture of the blood vessels uh, at the base of the esophagus and pancreas i wonder what is that and what caused it
1: so i'm trying to think well first of all Brad, i'm sorry to hear that about your brother i'm trying to think of the name that it's you're just talking five
5: to. or six letters
1: yeah, uh, yeah. did did he you uh, know i hope you don't mind me asking some some pointy questions here just to try to figure this out a little bit more did your brother do you know if he drank alcohol a lot or did he have did he smoke yeah
5: he uh beer and he smoked cigarettes.
1: okay all right, so probably so there is a condition where you have uh dilation of those blood vessels that you mentioned at the bottom of the esophagus and then uh, a little bit downstream for that it it puts you at risk for bleeding uh almost always it's associated with uh with alcohol it can be associated with with other things too uh the the concern there is these vessels they're not when that once they get dilated so much, they really they have a propensity to bleed and burst and it's it can be life threatening pretty quickly uh unless you get to the hospital really soon. Most people either vomit uh, a large amount of blood or they'll pass uh blood in their stool uh or have dark tarry stools. And um, um that's that's a complication of chronic uh you know, chronic alcohol ingestion. Um, over time. But that's probably what it is. I'm still trying to, in my mind, I'm trying to to grasp what the actual name of it is. But um, the way to really treat it, if you have it, is to have regular gastrointestinal visits. So somebody who's a a GI physician goes in and they can band those uh, little vessels that are bigger uh, and bleeding, if there's one that's actively bleeding, if you're in the hospital, a lot of times they can uh, inject those with certain things to make those sort of constrict down. There's also a couple of medications that they give in the hospital and, uh, and then once you go home. Beta blockers, which are common um, common blood pressure medications, are oftentimes used to uh, treat that on an outpatient basis once you deal with a, the with a bleeding vessel. And there's this other medications like octetride, uh, um, that are given in the hospital. So that sounds like what that was, Brett. I'm not aware. Now, you can have inheritable syndromes where you have these blood vessels that are sort of connected wrong, that have a propensity to bleed. This doesn't sound like that. I mean, you can have those in different places. We yeah. uh,
5: only drank beer, just, you know, no hard liquor or anything. Yeah. I, and I, I was just wondering one other thing. Could stress be a factor?
1: usually not now stress can be a a factor in excess acid production in the stomach so people can have you know reflux and they can have uh, lots of gastritis and symptoms like that but usually that doesn't cause the the dilation in blood vessels like that
5: i see okay well thank you doctor i appreciate
1: oh you're welcome And, and sorry again to hear about that
5: yeah thank you
1: all right, the number to call this morning is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to remedy at mpbonline.org. Speaking of email, this email is from Judy. She says, My eleven year old son was recently diagnosed with something called molluscum. I'm wondering what that is and uh what uh we can expect in the treatment of that. I'm a little confused about these uh, these lesions on his body. So molluscum contagiosum is a common uh, thing that we see in mainly in pediatrics. You can have it into adulthood, but mainly it's younger children. Uh, usually uh, they're toddler age and up. And these are small, flesh-colored, uh, pinpoint. Uh, usually not quite pinpoint, but uh, uh, pencil lead thickness. So about one to two millimeters, flat, raised, uh, fleshy-colored. Um, bumps uh, on the skin, and they usually itch, and sometimes they're in a line. And it's caused by a virus uh, that infects those cells, so it's a little bit similar to, say, um, warts, like the warts that you get on your hands or your feet. Um, But molluscum, it can take a long time to uh, get rid of it, It, and usually it doesn't cause any problems besides being a little bit... um, itching a little bit uh, you can see a dermatologist they can take those off with various ways sometimes they come back though usually they'll go away with uh, you know if you wait around long enough months to years uh, they you can get those a lot of times you'll you'll see uh, these pop up in situations where you have uh, kids that are in close contact with one another. So in locker rooms, if they're on a sports team, uh, because it's a virus that's caused it and it's direct contact that it spread. Uh, but uh, you really don't have to to worry about it too much. You know, if it's in an area that you're going to have interaction with other people, you might want to keep that covered over time. But uh, that's what molluscum is very common. Um, you know, a lot of kids have those from, from time to time and um, uh, usually they'll go away without any problems. So, Uh, That's what that is, Judy, and uh, you can, uh, you know, if it doesn't cause a lot of problems, I probably wouldn't even see a dermatologist, but you can if you really feel compelled to do that. This is Southern Remedy, the number to call this morning. If you have a question about your own health care or somebody else that is near and dear to you, you can call us at 1-877-MPB-RING, that's 1-877-672-7464. All right, we got people popping in and out on the screen. I'm not sure if they're calling and hanging up or all right. we we got one in just a second. Hey, it's uh National Women's uh sorry, Men's Health Month, uh Health Week today uh today this week. I'm sorry. Dr. Jimmy is getting over an illness and his brain is not quite functioning on all cylinders this morning. <laughs> What can men do for their own health? Well, a lot of different things. If you take the things that really uh, affect men over their lifetimes, probably the biggest one that everybody knows about, hopefully, is heart disease. is one of the major, uh, the major killers of everybody in this country, but uh, certainly men who are affected by it. Having a healthy lifestyle is one of the best ways to combat that and not picking up nasty habits like smoking, making sure that you're getting plenty of physical activity and eating a healthy diet or Those are some of the best ways to do that and combating some of the risk factors. If you've been diagnosed with hypertension or diabetes or high cholesterol, you want to address those things as well. We mentioned uh, prostate health and certainly prostate cancer is one. So if your urine stream is suddenly uh, changed in intensity or frequency, you might want to tell your doctor about that. It's sort of controversial about getting regular PSAs because we have so many false positives and they lead to biopsies, and sometimes those biopsies can have uh, some side effects. Um, So it is a little bit controversial to do that in the entire population, but particularly in individuals that have a strong family history, particularly of early prostate cancer, or if they're symptomatic, then they should uh, definitely uh, have that looked at. All right, we're going to go to Sharon from Mobile. Good morning, Sharon.
2: Hi, I'm calling um, about my sister. She uh, was recently diagnosed with thyroid cancer Mm
5: -hmm. and
2: um, they told her she should have surgery, but she's put it off. They told her she's got like a nozzle that's like more than two centimeters Mm -hmm. and um, she's having discomfort like with swallowing but no pain, so she's put it off. How much should I be on her to get it
1: done? That's the question. Uh you should be on her a lot, Sharon, and uh because this is that's concerning. Thyroid cancer, it is a curable cancer, uh, and there's two different types. There's medullary and papillary uh thyroid cancer, the two uh two main types of, of thyroid cancers. Um most of the time if you catch it early on, you can treat it and surgical, you know, surgery is one of the ways that they treat that. Uh, but the longer you wait, the bigger it's going to be and more the more chance of it spreading to other places. And that's going to be a whole different treatment and uh, life expectancy. So out of concern and love for her, Sharon, you should say, you know what? Uh, I really think you ought to get this taken care of. The longer you wait, I'm sure they told her that. The longer you wait, the worse the outcomes are. Um, now, it, you know, it's not something that needs to be done within a day or two but we're talking you know a couple of weeks is probably all i would i would feel comfortable with uh unless there's other complications if she's got some medical conditions that might uh, put her at risk if she has surgery uh those of course are things that you want to want to nail down first and get those optimized beforehand but if it's if it's not and she's just sort of putting it off it is not going to get any better and those symptoms that you mentioned with you know the thyroid sits right over your larynx. It affects your speech if you have something pushing on it. It can affect her swallowing uh, and her airway. So it, it's not something to to put off too long.
2: Okay. Thank you very much.
1: All right, Sharon. Thanks for calling. All right, we're going to go to Lan from Hattiesburg. Good morning, Lan. Good morning. Thanks for calling.
5: Yes, sir. Um, I was listening to the radio and uh um had a question about my anxiety and stress and stressing out and um I wonder why I feel like I'm losing control.
1: So so it's mainly anxiety, is that the kind of symptoms? Right. right. So are those uh Len, is it like with everything or is it with just particular things?
4: Particular things.
1: Yeah. Okay. This sort of and this has been going on for a while? Yes, sir. Okay. Yeah, and any of that running your family, any other, you know, problems like this? Anybody else yeah, sort of sure. did them? Okay. Uh, Land, do you have any other medical problems?
4: Not that I know of.
1: Okay. And how old are you, Land? I'm 27. Okay. Young man. All right. So uh, anxiety is is common. It can be linked to individual things. Uh, like, you know, some people have anxiety if they're driving a car, if they're in different social situations, if they're taking a test, if they have different job activities. And a little bit of anxiety is all right. It's a... It sort of gets us motivated. It it uh, focuses our attention on some things, but it becomes a problem when it interferes with what you're able to do, like your relationships in your life, with your job that you need to do at home, uh, you know, different different things that uh, that you would normally do. And a lot of people just become incapacitated because of that. It is treatable though, Land. It is treatable with medications and with non medications. Uh, you need a good person who is trained in that. Uh, now, you don't necessarily need a psychiatrist for run-of-the-mill anxiety problems, particularly if it's either generalized anxiety, not really triggered by anything, or if it's if it is triggered by something. A lot of times, somebody who's who's uh, you know a primary care physician can uh, can deal with that up front. But if you're, uh, if you're having you know continued problems, you might want to go see somebody who's specially trained in that like a sci- psychiatrist. and they can give you some options. A lot of psychiatrists are, are trained and can get you to the people that can help you through those situations. The, the wondrous thing about the brain is that it can be retrained to think certain ways and to deal with certain feelings. And it's just like you're training your muscles. So going to a psychologist, you just think of them or a psychiatrist a lot of times as a coach for the brain. Uh, and uh, they can help you, your brain sort of deal with those things. going to give you some tools. But sometimes medications can help. There are some medications that are used to treat depression that also are helpful in anxiety um, that help prevent some of those uh, intrusiveness. But I think land. I, I'm. I'm taking it. You, you haven't seen a doctor yet.
4: I haven't.
1: Yeah, I probably well,
5: I on particular.
1: Yeah, I. Um, I would probably. And, and look, I'm a guy, and us guys sometimes we will hesitate to go, particularly on issues like this. It's interesting that that you shared this with us today because one of the things I was going to say about, you know, Men's Health Week is one of the topics is mental health and anxiety is one of those things that. You know, we as men try to just we sort of think, oh, you know what, Uh, that men aren't affected by that. I'm not supposed to be feeling that way. But it's true that everybody deals with that. So I would, if it's intrusive enough that it is interfering with with the way you're thinking, the way you're handling different things that come up. And I would I would go to somebody, to a physician and say, I'm having these problems you do not need to be ashamed of that that's you know that's something that uh that a lot of people have and it can be treated and the goal would be you get back in the game and you do what you need to to do yes sir but uh appreciate it oh you're welcome, and thanks for calling, yes, sir. All right, we're going to take another break. Man, hats off to land. we have got to need more people to do that and uh, take that first step and just say, you know what, I need some help because that's what the medical community is here, and that's why we're here today for you. So we're going to take a short break. When we come back, plenty of time for another three or four calls maybe, and maybe a couple other information about about some topics in the news. You can reach us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464.
0: This is an mpb think radio podcast this is southern remedy with dr jimmy stewart on mpb think radio to take part in today's show with your questions or comments call one mpb ring that's one 672 7464 or you can email the show remedy at mpbonline.org
1: Welcome back to Southern Remedy. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning. Man, some great calls today. We appreciate everybody calling in today on the program. going to try to get to some last uh, callers here before we uh, are off the air. Let's go to Lee in Woodville, Mississippi. Good morning, Lee. Good
6: morning, Dr. Rick. No, not, not Dr.
1: Rick. <laughs> that's Dr. okay. Dr. Jimmy here with you this morning.
6: Well, there's some great cues to feel you
1: there. Uh, you're, you're right about that. You're right.
6: Look, what I want to get some information from you, was about many strokes of that TIA. I'm a stroke sufferer, if you heard. I've had three strokes over the years. Mm -hmm. But every day, I don't mean once every two or three weeks, every day, I feel as though I'm having a mini stroke. I go to a neurologist for my treatments and I go to pain management for other treatments. But what's happening is every day once I get up and start moving around and I go sit down or something like that, my legs, my arms, everything freezes up all the way to the base of my skull. But it, I don't get to the point where I'm having a stroke. It just everything freezes up.
1: Yeah, Lee, there there may be some things that you're already taking. Now, once you get to that point where you've had a stroke or you've had multiple TIAs and still having symptoms, you may be having some decreased blood flow to different areas of your brain. It would be really odd to have everything freeze up like that because that would mean your whole brain's affected all at the same time, I mean, and
6: everything on the left <clears throat> side.
1: On the left side, yeah, okay. That that's more, that makes more sense. So, uh, first of all, telling your neurologist about that is the main thing. Now, they may not be able to to intervene where they can open that up because it's hard to get in the brain. There are some ways to do that, but they usually carry a lot of risk with them. I've Med- had brain surgery. Okay, so you already had that. And then uh, medications like cholesterol medications, um, blood pressure medications. Uh Uh-huh, so you're on that. And then uh, you're probably on either Plavix or aspirin or both.
6: I'm not on any blood thinner.
1: Okay, and there may be a a good reason for that because there are some exceptions, but that may be something that you ask them about um, because that that might – you know, help be something else you can do, but there's not really a medication. You really what you're trying to do is keep those blood vessels open that are giving blood flow to your brain. And uh, you, you, we already know that you have some some uh, blockage there just because of the previous strokes and and TIAs that you've had. But uh, do, doing those things are going to be hard to do. And your right hemisphere, right, and that fits because of the symptoms be on the left side, it's, they're sort of crossover there. But Lee, I'd ask him about the blood thinner if you hadn't already, just to sort of see if that's something else that might might help you.
6: All right. And also, I wanted to. I go to pain management mm-hmm. because I suffer from um, osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, and this old, this old, sciatic nerve, and from my lower back all the way down to my ankles, I'm on fire a lot of times. Now, they've given me this so grab It don't work. It took me off of that. Then they put me on Lyrica and Symbolica. huh And I'm still on fire.
1: Yeah, those that's sort of the mainstay. Uh, there may be a couple of other things in the pain clinic that they can do, but uh, that's that you know, and getting making sure you got the the correct dosage of those is important too. So they may need to go up on it, but I'd I'd stick with them uh, on the you know from the pain standpoint.
6: They went up on my they went up on my Lyrica, but the doctors uh, recommended me. Baptist up there to the Bariatric and Nutrition Center,
1: because
6: uh-huh. I'm a big person. Yeah. Um, but the lady hasn't got back with me yet with the information. But I'm going to tell you, if people tell you you need to lose 80, 100 pounds or 50 pounds, it's simple to watch that television and let people talk
1: about it. Yeah, you're right. It's a lot harder. Well, uh, Lee, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna to try to squeeze in one more person, but I, I'm hoping oh. I'm hoping that that uh, consultation is gonna help you. Okay. Thank you. All right, Lee. All right, let's go to Tracy and uh, who's on the road. Good morning, Tracy. Good
3: morning. How are you
2: doing?
1: Good. We got about thirty seconds.
2: All right. I had a shingles outbreak. I'm about four weeks into it. It's on my face. My question is, I've taken, um, you know. Uh, tracks for seven days. And I'm wondering, is it a good idea to take it as a suppressive, like ongoing? And I'm going to hang
1: up and let you answer that. Sure. Uh, So shingles is a bad actor. Usually um, you don't need suppressants like that afterwards. So taking it, you know, to prevent another infection. Probably the biggest thing, if you meet the age requirements, is to have the shingles vaccine uh, to help prevent a further one. And, And particularly a person who's already had shingles. You are at risk to get it again, so uh, particularly on your face now, a lot of people will do that prophylaxis with it where they're actually giving it to you uh, that medication, the valtrex um, but usually after a course of it, you don't need to do that so that's that's what i would I would say about that. All right, that's all the time we have today. We want to thank all of our callers for calling in. This has been uh, Southern Remedy, which is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. You can join us next Wednesday at 11 for Southern Remedy, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.